Today's scripture is from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, and Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing what he answered them, well, he asked them, which commandment is first at all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all who burnt sufferings, who burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that, he answered wisely and said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are the, who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In life, it's rare that we make it to the next level without putting everything on the line. We practice. We increase the difficulty. We push ourselves until we have nothing left to give. But how often do we go all in for God? Jesus wants, no, no, Jesus calls us to live for his kingdom with every part of our being. Join us this January as we look at what it means for us personally and as a church to be all in with worship, with discipleship, with service, and in our community. As we look at our Focus 2030 strategic vision, let us prepare ourselves to be all in. Welcome to our new sermon series. My name's Emily. I'm one of the pastors, and I invite you to be all in with me. Would you pray with me? God of grace and God of mercy, help us to be all in when it comes to you, when it comes to living out our faith, when it comes to being your disciples. Help us, Lord, to be all in this together by your grace. And Lord, may the words of my mouth, of all of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock, our refuge, our redeemer, our savior, and it is in your name that we pray. As all of God's people said, amen. I took a class many years ago with Reverend Jim Walker. And in that class, he told us a story about a church that he helped to start in inner city Pittsburgh years ago. I don't know how the church is doing now, but back then it was thriving. 
They started meeting in a tattoo parlor and the church community was as diverse as you can imagine, as diverse as the big and beautiful kingdom of God. As they continued to meet, they got this dream that they wanted to have their own building, their own space so they could move out of the tattoo parlor. And they worked hard at saving money and planning ahead. And <clears throat> finally, they were able to buy an old abandoned bar in that same community. They hired an architect who drew up blueprints and they were looking at how they could redesign the space and have part of it for worship and part of it for a hot meal because they had a meal together every Sunday after worship. And they wanted an area where persons who were unhoused could come in and sleep sometimes when that was needed. So the day came when they were going to meet at the bar with the architect and several folks were going to be present. They were going to talk about the future together. The two pastors were there. The governing board leadership team was there. Different people from the congregation were there. The architect. It was a wonderful day. So as they gathered, they started to focus on these blueprints. And boy, did they start to worry about the future. What was going to happen What challenges were there going to be? Were they going to be able to pay all the bills? They just got really wrapped up what was going to come. And as they focused and had their heads down, another person showed up. The door opened and a woman stepped in. She had three stocking caps on and two coats, which could have been helpful in a Pittsburgh winter if it's really cold out there. But this was the middle of summer and it was in the 80s. And they noticed that she had a grocery cart with her with a wonky wheel that they had heard coming down the road before she'd ever opened the door. And when she opened that door, a smell had come in with her. And so they looked at her and put their heads back down really quickly. All their attention and focus was worrying on what was going to happen and what was not going to happen. They couldn't tell. They hadn't figured it all out. And their unspoken rule betwixt them was that maybe if we just ignore her, she'll go away. They didn't want to deal with her that day. But the woman did not move. She stood there so long and finally she just said to them very loudly, Hey, what are you people about anyway? And that, Jim said, is when he woke up. The mission statement for their church was something about imperfect people living out God's perfect love. And boy, he said, had we blown it. He said, that's when I came to myself, I came to my faith, I came to my heart, and I stepped away from the group and went to the door, and I introduced myself and shook the hand of that woman, and I asked her if I could help her fix that wonky wheel on her cart, and she let him, and then he sat down beside her on the sidewalk and listened to her story. He shared God's love and grace with her. And by this time, all the others had caught on, right? And they came out one by one and joined them till this whole big group of people were sitting around uh, this woman on the sidewalk hearing her story and sharing God's love and grace with her and inviting her to the next hot meal they would have together as a community. And then he told her, this is what we're supposed to be about. Jim said he tells that story again and again in that church. Because he said, we don't want to forget what we are about. He said that we tell that story to help us stay focused 
on who and what we're called to be. Jim said we were so worried about the future of the church that day that we forgot to be the church in the present and live it out. The question the woman shouted at them is an important one. It's one we need to be able to answer as a church and as individuals. How would you answer the question? What are we about anyway? What matters most? Jesus has a lot to say about that. In fact, people ask him the same question, a little different words. Again and again in scripture, if you turn with me to the passage that Joey read for us today... Mark chapter 12, if you've got your Bible app or you want to pull a Bible out with you or one in the pew, you can join me or joining us together online. Mark 12, 28 to, no, yes, I can't see, 28 to 34. (laughs) It's also in uh, the Gospel of Matthew and it's in the Gospel of Luke. In uh, the Gospel of Matthew, it's chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. In the Gospel of Luke, it's chapter 10, verses 25 to 28. In Matthew and Luke, it's a lawyer who's asking Jesus this question. In the Gospel of Mark, it's a scribe that asks Jesus what he is about. A scribe. And that's unusual. Why is that unusual? I'm so glad you asked. Because in the preceding chapters in this gospel, there has been such debate and such tension and a group of folks who've been pushing back against Jesus hard. They've been trying to trap him with questions and trying to listen to everything he says so they can twist it and use it against him. Scribes were part of that group. Elders were part of that group. Chief priests were part of that group and Pharisees were part of that group. Sadducees were part of that group. And so it's very unusual and surprising that one of the scribes approaches Jesus with a genuine question, not to try to trap him, but because he wants to know what Jesus thinks. So verse 28, the scribe asks, which commandment is the first of all? In other words, what are you about anyway? What matters most? And in answering, Jesus combines two Hebrew scriptures from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 and Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18. These two verses become for Jesus a summary of the entire 613 laws in the Torah. Those two verses out of all the 613 are for Jesus what matters most. And note the first words that Jesus says to the scribe. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Might not sound like it, but Jesus saying that first is significant. Let me tell you why. None of the other versions of this story And Matthew and Luke include this first portion of Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4. Those words offered to the scribe are like a bridge. It's like a peace offering. Because these are words that unite Jesus with the scribe through their Jewish religious heritage that they share. Amidst all the tension and debate that has come so far, this phrase is something that the two of them have in common. And it's a way to bring that to the forefront. 
to bring them together in the midst of all that tension. It's a way to take the heat out of the air. These are words of reconciliation and unity between them. And then Jesus says, we are to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. Not a little bit, but all. And then Jesus says we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the language there is not as much as ourselves, but the understanding is Jesus says to love others in the same way that we love ourselves. It's about application. How do we love ourselves? Sometimes we're pretty good at it. And sometimes we're not. It means so if we cut ourselves some slack, then we need to cut our neighbors some slack too, whoever they are. If we tend to give ourselves another chance to get something right or another chance or a do-over, we need to give our neighbors another chance as well, whoever they are. In fact, when Jesus answers this question and gets a little more specific about what it means to love a neighbor well, he tells that story of the Good Samaritan that you may have heard before. He gives clarity on how we love our neighbors, not from a distance, but in a way that engages us. Engages our time, our resources, our gifts, even if a neighbor, like in that story, is someone we despise. The scribe, as he listens, likes Jesus' answer and starts his own response. You may notice in verse 32 with the very same phrase that Jesus used that would unite them. It's beautiful. He's affirming that unity with Jesus in the midst of conflict. And then Jesus says, this scribe is not far from the kingdom of God. This is Jesus' answer to the question, hey, what are you people about anyway? Loving God with our whole selves, all of our whole selves, and loving others. Jesus talks about love a lot. In fact, he talked about it more than anything else. I think he knew we were going to have some problems with it. So we need to talk about it too. And if we are followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to know what matters to him because what matters to him needs to matter to us. There's that old story. I know some folks think that we pastors talk about love a little too much. But there's that old story about a seven-year-old and her parents going to church. You may have heard it before. So they like to go to worship together, and when they'd go out for lunch after service, the parents would ask their daughter, so what did the pastor talk about today? And she'd say, love. And she'd get it right. And then the next Sunday, same thing. What did you learn? What did you learn about in the sermon today? And she'd say, love. Well, yeah, she was right. Until the next week, then they asked her again, what did you learn in the sermon today? What was the pastor talking about? And she said, love, 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 love. That's all he ever talks about. And they thought that was pretty funny. So they told the pastor the following Sunday that, you know, our daughter said, all you ever talk about is love, 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 love. And his response was, thank God. Now we're getting somewhere. Love, Jesus says, is to be the defining, most identifiable characteristic of anyone who follows Jesus. That's how we know that someone is following Jesus. Love's the thing we're supposed to work on getting right. If we can love well, God, neighbor, stranger, enemy, then we're a disciple of Jesus, baptized in his name, and others will know it. 
The Apostle Paul then helps to flesh that out even more in that second passage that Joey read for us. From Romans chapter 12, I invite you to head over there in your Bibles if you want to. So I'm going to read straight. Verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We're going to unpack it a little bit. I appeal. In other words, I encourage, I urge you. That's a plural you in the Greek. Like everyone. I appeal to you, everyone. Brothers and sisters, beautiful, right? Which means we're connected to each other. I'm not apart from you. You're a part of me. I'm a part of you. We are connected. We're like family in this body, brothers and sisters, which means I'm responsible to you. You're responsible to me. We take care of each other. Brothers and sisters united in Christ. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We know that in the New Testament, all of the letters were written to specific people at a specific time in a specific place to deal with specific issues. And so it's helpful to understand what these letters sounded like to the first hearers, to the first listeners, the first readers, what was going on in their context. That helps us understand even more today what those letters will say to us. So when it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, that word sacrifice would go somewhere immediately in the first persons who would have heard this letter. Sacrifice. Animal sacrifice was a long-standing practice in worship. People killed animals as an offering to present to God. It was part of the practices in the Torah. And so around the time this letter was written was a time when they were beginning to end that practice and things were changing. So when Paul writes that you are to present your bodies, not an animal's body, your body as a living sacrifice. Of course, the animals were killed, but the people are not supposed to be. So it's a living sacrifice, which means an ongoing sacrifice day after day after day in how we live, how we act, how we move, how we breathe. Present our bodies as the living sacrifice By the mercy of God. And Paul says this is worship. And we are transformed and renewed by it. By this relationship with God in Jesus Christ. The word therefore. Did you catch that one? That means that what Paul is saying now is based on everything he's just said before in this letter. About being baptized and living in a new life in Jesus Christ. And then it gets even better. Verse 3. I love this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. By the grace given to me. That's my starting point And how I understand myself. And if that's my starting point and how I see or understand anybody else, how in the world could I ever think that I'm better than anyone else? Right? That means we're all in this together. 
it then says by the measure of faith. It doesn't mean measure as if I'm given a little more faith and you're given a little less or you're given a little more and I'm given a little less. It means by measure, it means standard. This is our standard, our criterion. If the standard is living by the mercies of God, by the grace of God on this standard of faith, then I see you and everybody I meet through that lens. I see everybody in that way. Which means we all have something to bring together to contribute into the body of Christ. The next verses talk about how we have those different gifts. And they make us one. Because we're called to use them together. Differing and God-given gifts. Given for the good of the body of Christ. For the good of the whole. And so I bring my resources, my gifts, all that I am to the table as a living, daily, ongoing sacrifice for God. And each of us does the same. Fully engaged for the glory of God, loving God with all that we are, loving our neighbors in the same way that we love ourselves. It's a call to humility and unity and a life of lived out love. Giving ourselves more fully to God, outwardly, inwardly, the whole being, the whole lot of us. This, scripture says, is worship. This is what we are about anyway. So how do we live it? How do we put all that into action? Well, we've been busy discerning that here over more than the last year. You may have heard Pastor Donovan say this morning that our mission as a church is to transform lives through Jesus Christ as we connect and heal and bring hope to the world. That hasn't changed. You may have also heard us say a number of times that our core values as a church are relationship, discipleship, and community. That hasn't changed. What we've been working on so hard over the last year As a group of folks, the governing board, the executive team, the pastors with input from the staff, with representatives from all our administrative committees, staff parish, trustees, finance, committee on lay leadership. We talked to community leaders. We looked at community demographics and more to work together to discern the vision of the church, what we are to be about anyway. We call it Focus 2030, and I'm going to give you a sneak peek. Here's a graphic of what that vision looks like. That this is how we love God and love others and do that well. That this will be our focus as a church here and now. Connection through worship, multi-generational discipleship, missional service, presence out in the community. And that doing that as we all serve and give together all in. We'll be talking about this more in the weeks to come and even more in February when we have our gathering called State of the Church. This is what we are about anyway. This is where we want to put our energy and our focus and our time and our resources. Worship, discipleship, missional service, being present for others out in the community with each of us doing our part to be all in. Giving and serving together as one. This is how we put loving God and loving others into action. And that graphic, can we see it one more time? This is what I want to be caught doing when Jesus comes back. How about you? This is where I want our focus and energy to be. Now you can go back to the other one. Thank you. I don't want to miss it. 
I don't want to be where Reverend Jim Walker said he found himself. So focused on, so worried about the future or what may or may not come. That we miss being church in the moment. I don't want to be so worried about what may happen or our fears. You name it. Who will win the Super Bowl or what's happening in the news or what will happen at general conference or in politics or who knows what this year will bring. That we forget to be church here and now in the present in Stafford County and Fredericksburg and beyond because that is what we are called to be. Be the church, loving God and loving others here and now. Picture Jesus standing there, coming in the door at the back of the church, although he's already in here. But picture him standing there with three stocking caps on and two coats saying, what are you people about anyway? And in order to answer the question, we need to know first how he would answer it. So that we know first and foremost what matters to him and then we follow. Now let's be church. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing. I'm excited about 2024. We're going to have challenges. We always do. And God is bigger than every one of them. Amen. I want our focus to be loving God and loving others and doing that well. Worship, mission, discipleship, present in the community. This is where we will put our energy and focus. Are you all in? Amen. Amen. Are you all in? I'll take the plunge. Join this guy. We'll take the plunge. We'll join and jump right in there. Let's be all in and living out what Jesus tells us is the main thing and keeping it the main thing and jumping in there together. All of us participating, bringing all that we've got, loving God with all our soul, all our heart, all our mind, all our strength and loving our neighbors in the same way we love ourselves. Amen. Amen.